In today's episode, we speak with Judge Leanne Dauphineau. She's a former justice on the Texas 2nd District Court of Appeals. Dauphineau worked as a trial and appellate lawyer until 1989, when she was elected judge of the Tarrant County Criminal Court No. 2. She held this position until 1995, when she was elected to the Court of Appeals. This is our conversation with her. You came up through the ranks of uh, uh, basically a man's world when you did uh, to become a lawyer. Um, well, yes and no, because uh, when Tony and I married, we, we had a plea bargain agreement. And it was that I would stay home with the children until the youngest went to first grade. Then I'd go to law school. Ooh. We met uh, right before he took his bachelor's and I took my master's. And, um, and that was our agreement that when the youngest went to first grade, I would go to law school. Nice. Yes, so nice. I was 35 before I got to go to law school. And some of my friends who were my age but started right out of college had um, a little bit different experience from mine. But still, on the criminal side, um, the only... There weren't any full-time criminal defense lawyers. There were people who practiced family law who had to do some criminal cases. Uh, that's not as unusual as you might think. And uh, so there were a few women, but they were primarily family law practitioners. But in the DA's office, Tim Curry was the district attorney, and he was hiring women. And he actually sent word to me uh, asking me to come interview. Wow. But was he the DA in Tarrant County? I thought he was the DA in Dallas County. No. He was in Tarrant? Yeah, okay. okay. Oh, yes. Okay. So did you go and work for the DA's office? No. But the reason why I went in for an interview, and I saw a piece of paper everybody was signing when they left the office. And it said, had a time, bathroom. And they signed their name. Uh, and then a time, lunch, and they signed their name. And I thought, I am 39 years old. I am too old to have to sign out to go to the bathroom. And my father was self-employed. Uh, my grandfather was self-employed. I don't know about his father, but I just don't have the genes really to work for somebody else and have to get permission to go to the bathroom. So I just, but I did appreciate the offer to interview me. Oh, that makes sense. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I just didn't have a lot of personality. Yeah, I think I would um, kind of have a problem with that too. That's, you know, when we first moved here to Texas, we were looking for an apartment complex. And the one we were looking at, it said, you can't do this, you can't have that, you can't, you can't, you can't. And I said, I can't live here then. So I get uh, that. I get that. I, I, I'm a native, so yeah. 
Yeah. It's even worse, probably. <laughs> and also, my age. remember, I, I was married with children, and I, I just, I, I was just too old for yeah. that. Yeah, I understand completely. So what made you want to go into law? Did you always, did you know you always wanted to go into law? I was born before Pearl Harbor was bombed. So I grew up with the war. And I always wanted to be either a judge or a general. And neither of my parents ever told me I couldn't. I, I, I don't think it occurred to them that I couldn't. It really didn't occur to them that I should be treated any differently from my brothers. And it wasn't until I got to college that somebody told me I couldn't be a general. I would ha have to be a nurse even to be in the military and uh, to make any rank at all. But I could never expect to be a general. Well, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be George Patton. Right. So, uh, <laughs> and it never occurred to anybody I couldn't be a judge. Um, my father's mother's brother was a judge in Missouri. And uh, I think I have some judges back up my family tree. And it just never occurred to any of us that I couldn't be a judge. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. What 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 did you think about when you were younger, like being a judge? What was the draw? Uh, the same thing as being a general. I just, I, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, I just decided that uh, I would prefer to rely on my judgment rather than somebody else's. So, yeah, so person, even as a child. So, yeah, so I was wondering about this. How, how do you become a judge in, in the US? You know, do, do, does it are what are the requirements and each state's different. Okay. Now for federal court, that's the same no matter what state you're in, and that's by appointment only. But I'm in Texas. I can only speak for the part of Texas I know. I, if you don't know Texas, different. Areas in Texas even have different accents and different personalities, different attitudes. And I can only speak for Fort Worth and my 12 counties west. Um, so, but in Texas, we elect our judges. It okay. would not, I think, occur to us that anybody would know better than we would <laughs> where our judges should be. But municipal judges are appointed. Otherwise, the county judges, not, not the, well, the county judges and the district judges, which are what we call our next level up, and appellate court judges are all elected. Okay. And what type of judge are you right now? Uh, well, I've taken senior status from the second court of appeals. We have... 12 counties, but uh, when you hit a certain age, the law requires you to take senior, sta senior status. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? 
Well, I assume I don't know, but rather than go tell a judge, uh, you've just lost it. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> the law does it, and the law says, well, you have reached the age that now you get to, you deserve to take senior status. Okay. And you can, uh, if we need a judge, we can invite you and you can either accept or decline. And gee, what a wonderful job you've done. So it's, it works out. Yeah, I guess that would be kind of nice too. Yeah, that way you don't have to have hard feelings or insult anybody, make anybody feel bad. It's just time to take senior status. Right, okay. So do they decide which ones they want to invite you to or? Yes. Okay. We have a list of judges uh, who are on the list and the list it's by appointment by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of Texas. And um, each, each county submits a list of judges they would like to be appointed. And those judges are usually appointed. And then you get a letter saying that you've been appointed, uh, you're on the list and for in which counties and, um, and appointed by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. That's and when good. everybody's going to be out, when somebody's going to be out of town, and need a judge for the kind of court um, you're safe to sit on, mm -hmm. uh, they <laughs> may they may give you a call. Interesting. So, when judges are elected, do you have to have any qualifications to like to run to be a judge? Uh, well, you have to have a law degree. Except. Okay. Uh, as I understand it, you really don't for the Supreme Court of the United States, but then you're not running your appointed. Uh, but in Texas, to be uh, elected, you have to have a law degree and you have to have practiced law for a certain <clears throat> time. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Kai, you have any questions? Sorry, I was unmuting. Um, yeah, actually. So I'm going to steal one of Ellen's questions because I thought it was a really interesting one. Um, okay. So let me find it. Uh, the question was, I just lost it. I'm so sorry. As a judge, um, who is your boss? Like, who are you accountable to? I thought that was a very interesting question. Judicial Standards Commission. Okay. Unless, of course, uh, it's election time, in which case... It's a public election, hmm. but uh, if who oversees conduct, the Judicial Standards Commission. And okay, who's on the Judicial Standards Commission? Is that uh, appointed? They're appointed. Okay. But um, one of the questions also was, who do I consider my boss? Uh, do I serve the people? Do I serve the law? Do I uh, serve the victims? Do I serve the prosecution? <clears throat> Judges are not God's avenging angels. We are servants of the people, but our mandate 
is to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution and laws of this state and of the United States. That's it. Awesome. Yeah, that's a, yeah. That's a good answer. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, a great answer. <laughs> so, so it's, uh, if I understand correctly, it's it's your responsibility as, as a judge to make sure that both the prosecution and the defense, like, uphold the laws and follow the rules. Oh, absolutely. And they have different mandates. The prosecution's charge is to see that justice is done. The defense attorney's charge is to represent the client vigorously within the bounds of the law. Now, those are different. The mandate of a prosecutor is not to seek conviction only, but to seek justice. I wish more prosecutors felt that way because yes. so many of them, it seems, just want a conviction. It depends on where you are yeah. and the standards of that district attorney's office and the individual within that district attorney's office. Yes, it's. It, I feel that it's the individual that that I'm referring to. It's the individual prosecutors. I, I believe there are many more prosecutors that are out for justice, not just a conviction. But there are some because well, well if the district attorney allows it, yeah, yes, it flows uphill. Yeah, it flows uphill. Yes. It, is there anything you can do as a judge, you know, to, to ensure that, you know, they, if you see a case that you think maybe it's a very thin prosecution the, or a case that the prosecution has, can, can you let them know or what's your role? My role is to sit there and make sure they follow the rules. Make sure the jury follows the rules. Have you, um, I don't know if you can answer this question, but have you had a jury that didn't follow the rules? If you do, and you find out about it during the trial, we didn't used to have um, extra jurors. We used to just pick the number of jurors you needed. Now we usually get one or two extra. And then if something happens, a juror suddenly becomes disqualified or is discovered to have been disqualified from the beginning, <clears throat> you can take them off the jury and put one of the uh, alternates on. You can declare a mistrial. And after the, um, the trial is over, depending on the circumstances and the law and the constitution, it may require uh, the granting of a motion for new trial. Now, if you have, if you file a motion for new trial, that doesn't guarantee the judge will grant you a hearing. Right. Right. So it's up to the judge 100% to, to, uh, to figure out if something has been has gone wrong or no, it's up to the lawyer. It's the lawyer to file the motion, and then the judge sees the motion. 
But if the lawyer doesn't file the motion, judge, I'm sure there's an exception, but generally speaking, the judge should do nothing. Mm -hmm. If a judge refuses to have a hearing, then a lawyer might be able to mandamus the judge to hold a hearing, to make the record. For example, um, uh, ineffective assistance of counsel, newly discovered evidence, um, discovery of jury misconduct, discovery of witness misconduct, whatever, but you, it's not in the record. So you have to have a hearing to be able to make the record. Okay, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. yeah. But there's a limited time for a hearing on a motion for new trial. Yeah, and so... So if you don't get it, then the conviction will probably be affirmed and then you have to try to go the writ route. Because it's not on the merits anymore. It's on the time that you file it. Well, there are time limits. I mean, you can't just fool around forever keeping somebody out on bond, uh, mm -hmm. waiting on a motion for new trial, and the judge can't just let it drag on forever uh, on a conviction that won't stand with a person in jail. I mean, you just, you know, you just can't do that. So, um, we have a saying, justice delayed is justice denied for both sides. So things are supposed to move and there's a timetable. Mm, that makes sense, yes. And sometimes you don't discover this until after the time for a motion for your trial is passed, even notice of appeal. And that's when you have to rely on the writ. And go through the appellate court instead. Well, you file an application for writ of habeas corpus uh, and um, uh, court of criminal appeals, and then from that you can file it federally. But there's a new case that came down that suggests that uh, you better make the record someplace else other than uh, Supreme Court. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. One thing that I don't understand, and maybe you can help me, is. Um, I don't understand why, like in appeals, there's time-barred evidence. If you find evidence at any point that a person was wrongfully convicted, what is the reason to not allow that to be heard? They do allow it through a writ. It's just a vehicle. It's just the name of the vehicle. There has to be a finality. And until the appeals are exhausted, you do not have a final conviction. Okay, um, but I've heard, in some cases I've heard that a judge wouldn't allow it, um, information in because it was time barred, it was too late. Okay. So and I, don't I don't understand that I just, they just need to file a writ then? It's just, it's just procedural. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you're going to, uh, for example, you have a red light and the light turns green. You have a certain length of time to go through that green light. Well, you may really need to get where you're going, but if the light turns red, then maybe you need to make a right turn and go left at the green light or block down. You see what I mean? 
they don't cut you off. It's just a different procedure. Okay. okay. Now, you can abuse the writ. You can file writ after writ after writ. And after a while, the court says, that's it. You're abusing the writ. Okay, I wasn't aware of that. I thought that there was a limited number, maybe of writs, or you, but it's about you can't raise the same issue, you know, several times. You can. It, when they decide you've abused the writ, you can actually <clears throat> I ask for a review of that, but usually you have, often it's somebody who has abused the writ. But occasionally something new happens. And is it that the appellate court who uh, yes. who looked at that? Yeah. Okay. Let's go to the Court of Criminal Appeals in criminal in the. Yeah. And I was it, on a trial bench. I was on a felony trial bench before the Court of Appeals. So. Yeah, I, I've I've heard some cases where it's common that if. Uh, if a case goes through the appeal system to and and there someone is granted a new trial, trial for example, then it goes back to the original judge. Right. So that's common practice. Right. It's orderly. Yeah. I mean, it's orderly. It's uh, the law has to be orderly. The courts okay. have to be orderly. So, so it's in the law that it has to go back yeah. actually to the original. Oh, I didn't know. It goes back from whence it came. The, the indictment is returned to a specific court. And then uh, it may be transferred from that court by order of transfer to a different court. If it goes back on remand, it can, let's say it goes back on remand but the new judge represented the defendant. Oh. Well, then somebody is going to ask that the case be transferred to a different court. And, and there's an order of transfer. It's, it's, it's orderly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. How and, long were you a lawyer before you um, applied to be a judge or? Ran for judge. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. How long, how long were you a lawyer before you ran for? Uh, let's see. I was sworn in in 1978 and elected in 88 and sworn in January 1st of 89. Oh, okay. Wow. So did you just do um, defense? Since I know you didn't do uh, the work for the DA. You just, did you do defense? Did you do appeals? Did I you did do appeals. both? I did appeals. I did defense work. Uh, and I, I guess you consider it joking. Um, there was one case, and I won't go into the details, but in my opinion, they had indicted the wrong person. So our defense was prosecuting the person they should have indicted. And I was told after the trial 
by one of the jurors if they took one vote on my client and acquitted, took a second vote on the person we had prosecuted and voted to convict, but that person okay. was never prosecuted. Oh, wow. I heard as well that the burden is on the state to prove, you know, guilt, but... Uh, yeah, no, not guilt. No, okay. element of the offense alleged beyond a reasonable doubt. Each element. You So you might say, well, they didn't prove it happened in Tarrant County, but I think he's the guy that, that mugged that person. And... Well, they didn't prove there's jurisdiction. So. It's actually, a, it's yeah, it's a high burden. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So would you recommend um, young people today to go into law? I don't know why anybody would want to do anything else other than criminal law. Mm -hmm. But unless you want to be a lawyer more than anything else in the world and can't imagine living without being a lawyer, then it's not worth it. Law school, at least when I went to law school, was brutal. It was unbelievably demanding. Mm -hmm. So um, because I wanted to go into criminal law, uh, I was in clinic, which means we had, we actually had a caseload. We had clients we represented. We went to trial. We we represented our clients. Went into the jail, visited our clients, and carried a full load of courses. Otherwise, wow. And um, nobody thought anything of it. And it, but the amount of, I used to joke that I think I died sometime during my mid-law year, but I was too busy to lie down. <laughs> yeah, it makes yeah. sense. That's so unless you want, if you're doing it for the money, there'll never be enough money to make it worthwhile. Ever, ever. If you do it because you love the law, you won't be able to stop the money from coming in. I mean, whatever you make will be fine. Mm -hmm. She's not going into it for for money. She she actually wants to be a detective, um, but that you know paralegal program through the high school will help get. She'll graduate with an associate's degree. She'll graduate from high school with an associate's degree, so that will help her decide which way she wants to go mm -hmm. with the law. She should study English history and maybe a little philosophy. If you can't communicate, you're out of luck. Yes. If people can't, if you, and communication goes both ways. So it's not that you, you can express your ideas. Can you understand the ideas other people are trying to express? Right. Uh, study a couple of foreign languages. It's amazing. Um, I speak Spanish and, um, you have a, you do not want an interpreter. You want a translator. You don't want, I mean, if a person answers, uh-huh, you don't want them translating that, uh, interpreting that, uh, yes, I believe so. <laughs> no, no. 
uh huh translate uh translates uh huh. <laughs> yeah. And you've got to be able, or it's better if you can understand what the witness says and understand whether the translation is accurate, because if it's not, you need to object as soon as possible because you don't want the jury contaminated. But if you don't know the language, then you really are at the mercy of the translator. Yeah. And well, I don't know very many languages. Mm -hmm. I never thought about that. That's, yeah. And we were talking about languages a little while ago because Ellen being in, in Denmark and um, and she speaks um, Danish and English and German. Yeah. So it's, you know how important it is. And it, you know, it's funny, you go in, well, I went to the car wash and I have blue eyes. So the grill wasn't clean. And I said, the grill's not clean. Would you clean the grill? So they cleaned it. I spoke to him and he spoke in perfectly good English. And we were talking in English. But when I got back, they said in Spanish, well, let's see if the little old lady's satisfied now. And so I gave them their tip. I thanked them very much. I got into the car and then I said in Spanish, the problem is you never know who speaks Spanish. And the looks on their faces. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes if the witnesses don't know you speak their language and they're saying, what are you going to say? Well, I'm going to say this. Well, yeah, but I was going to say this. And you're hearing them say that. Well, that helps you. Right. You don't have to what? know what languages you speak. Mm -hmm. And you should go talk to the witnesses beforehand. You should go out to the crime scene beforehand. You should see where the people are going to testify. Live. You, you've got to investigate the case. And that's the key to the whole case, the investigation. I was wondering, one of my uh, questions were like, what, what's a really good day on the job for you like is that if someone brought up some interesting case law or yes. you felt yeah well, interesting case law interesting facts and, and remember we're talking criminal law here uh, not family law not civil law or regular civil law or whatever you call it, civil law it's not family law mm -hmm. um we're not talking contracts we're we're, we're talking criminal law and a good day is a day with interesting facts, interesting law, people behaving themselves, uh, nothing going wrong. I was in the courthouse the day George Lott shot and killed two lawyers uh, shot and injured judges and uh, we didn't know where he was in the courthouse complex so we all went into lockdown until they found him that wasn't a good day yeah no, no, that's, that's terrifying, terrifying. 
Right. Yeah. So a good day is interesting facts, pleasant people to deal with, interesting law, and uh, nothing goes badly wrong. Right. I have a question that just occurred to me. (laughs) Is there a famous criminal case that you wish you would have sat on the trial for? Or one that you would never have wanted to be on? Well, I can't think of any I wouldn't want to be on as a lawyer. Uh-huh. As a judge, um, one lawyer I, I watched. I watched some of his trials, and he appeared before me. He was a wonderful lawyer. Very polite, very interesting, and very protective of his client and very protective of the law. And that was Racehorse Haynes. Okay. I knew that. <laughs> and, and some people couldn't stand him, but I think most people found him very, very um, courteous and knowledgeable to deal with. I saw Percy, Percy Foreman, and fascinating, fascinating, compelling man to watch. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen some really, really good lawyers, but I don't understand why the public does not go down and watch trials. There's no charge. We have open courtrooms. Um, that's a constitutional mandate. I don't think people know that, though. I really don't think that they... actually don't think I knew that. No, I didn't know that either. Mm-hmm. It's, const- it's fundamental. Uh, an open courtroom is fundamental to our justice system. Go Thank down you. and watch the trials. Right. And not only that, if you go down and watch the trial, you get to see the part the jury doesn't get to see. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just trials can be fascinating to watch. Mm-hmm. They're interesting. And people fight jury duty. Without jurors, you're not going to have a trial. But if you go up and you watch a trial, you understand the importance of the jury, how interesting the trial is, and you understand the judicial system. Because um, if you just see clips from television, you're going to see the sensational stuff or you're going to see what somebody else decides you should see. But if you go up there, uh, while the jury is in the box, there's one atmosphere in the courtroom. But when the jury goes into the jury room, the atmosphere changes in the courtroom or, or or it may not. It may get more tense. People may laugh. Uh, people may, I mean, it's, it's different. And you get to see it. You get to see how the system works. And you're part of the system. You choose the judges. You serve on the juries. 
you don't want the first time you ever appear in the courtroom to be either as a litigant or as a juror. True. That's it's a good true. point. Yeah. They're our courts. Mm -hmm. They're your courts. You have an absolute right to go into any courtroom in this country. Well, you have to get a ticket from the Supreme Court. I mean, they're limited. But you have an absolute right to go into any courtroom and see any trial because it is your justice system. Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people know that. I, like Jude and Tyler said, they didn't know that you could do that, and I don't know that. Who, who didn't? I mean, I do know. That who didn't know you could do that? Jude and Tyler. I didn't know Tyler. that. Oh, yeah, I, I, I was not know. aware of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and and I know because of some uh, of the um, Ellen and I both are involved in some of the um, wrongful convictions. Uh, with the Truth and Justice podcast and Snowfile podcast, and we've done we, you know, done the Zoom uh, meetings in mm -hmm. um, Jamie Snow's case, um, and there's a lot of people that have gone to the courthouse to in support. Um, uh, you don't go in support. You're not on a. You're not cheering an athletic team. Right. 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 No. 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 You Just. Go as a citizen into your justice system to observe your justice system. Yes. Is there... It, You're supporting your justice system. That's it. Is it... Is, are the courts uh, often uh, full? Like, are there yeah. many people watching trials? Or yeah. Oh, Unless that's rare? High-profile trial. I imagine hmm. uh, that recent Johnny Depp trial was probably well attended, but usually no. Hmm. Is it just you... the police? The, the press has taken an interest. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. I don't know that. That was, was my question. I, yeah, Ellen was. Oh, you're good. No, you <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, I was just going to ask, like, what is the best way to go about that? Like, if I did want to go and see a trial, um, would it be like doing my information and looking? into that, doing my research to try to see which one to go to, or is it, is it okay and welcoming to just kind of show up on a day? Just go and open the door and walk in. Okay. Do, do you have to be there like during the start of it or is it, is it okay to come in anytime? No, if there's some reason you're not, uh, let's say the courtroom is full, the bailiff may say there's no place to sit. Um, in Tarrant County, there's a place you can stand and look through the glass. You not really hear much, but um, but it. Uh, the only time uh, I've never seen courtroom closed. Well, I take that back. We were in lockdown. We didn't know we're in charge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but we were letting people in from the hall. Mm -hmm. As long, yeah, you know, to take shelter. Now it's your courtroom. You just open the door and walk in. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's interesting to know. Quiet. Mm -hmm. Don't disrupt. Don't bring in food. Don't bring in drinks. Uh, don't bring in anything to smoke. I mean, just, what about bringing in like a notebook to take notes? Is you that take any notes you want? Okay. We can't pass them to the jury. No. Well, no. Yeah. 
No. They can't go out and tell another witness what a witness is testified to because they're probably under the rule, which right. means they can't discuss the right. case with anybody. Right. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Please check back next week for our continued conversation with Judge Duffno. And if you haven't already, please subscribe so you can get notified of when our new episodes release and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Touch by Crime. Thanks, and we hope to see you again next week.